As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Buckets, boards, and blocks is back. This week, uh, we got to get the inside scoop on the Lakers of the East. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my hometown, the Washington Wizards, um, and the Eastern Conference. The Wizards, by the way, are leading that at the time of recording this podcast. Get into it. But first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former three and D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. Thanks, Darlene. You get better every time, sis. Uh, welcome to Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. I'm Monica Magnet, alongside my co-host, King McClure, coming at you from Myrtle Beach. We got Beast Week tournaments coming up. I can't wait. But let's stay focused. We're so excited to be back with you. We're definitely getting into the Wizards. Um, King, how about your Dallas Mavericks right now? Man, I was uh, in the hotel room uh, <laughs> watching the game. They were playing the, the Suns. I don't know yeah. that the game but they like, lost go it. ahead continue they lost <laughs> yes uh, we ain't had luca though so it's all good you know when we, when we get luca back one of the best players in the nba probably top five in my opinion um don't at me but we get him back we'll, we'll, we'll be good um so yeah all right cool all right let's keep rolling we have a guest are you introing him or am i oh i got you let's do on, this let's well the washington wizards they are on fire to start the season. As we record this on Thursday morning, the Wizards have a record of 10 and four. Who would have guessed right now? Mm, not me, I'll be honest. 10 and four. They won five out of their last six games at a tough loss against Charlotte on Wednesday. Well, our guest is here to make you a smarter fan and explain how in the hell this all happened, right? <laughs> <laughs> he is Quinn Mayo. This dude is a rising star. He does so many things. And one of them is a Washington insider, a Wizards insider. Welcome to the show, bro. I've always been the young guy on this show. But apparently, you're younger than me. How old are you? I'm 24. I turned 24 in May. That is the, I apologize for my team, Quentin. That is the rudest <laughs> intro ever. <laughs> wow. I'm, wow. I'm normally the youngest guy. But you know what? It's, it's cool. You're younger than me. Um, Bruce was the one who told me to ask that question. <laughs> I'm gonna go Bruce under the tables. And Monica want to say I'm the rude one. I'm not. The it's, rude one. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Besides uh, already crushing it early in the game, 24 might make your prodigy, Quentin. You're also <laughs> one of the few people that Kamaya Adams hyphenated Bill, I think maybe Bradley Bill's wife yeah. uh, messes with on the Twitter streets. And so that in and of itself is an accomplishment. Uh, talk to us just about where the Wizards are right now this season and what has been the biggest difference. I mean, the Hall of Players they got for Russell Westbrook, honestly, game changer. 
Yeah. Um, first and foremost, thanks for having me, guys. And yeah, being on the good side of Kamaya on Twitter is definitely where you want to be because she takes a lot of shots and she hits a lot of shots. And I'm just I'm just grateful to be on the side where I'm watching the shots go out. But in all honesty, this was the team like you guys already talked about. They, they have been really impressive. And I, I, I don't think I doubted it coming into the season, but I did understand that this team does have a lot of young players, even though they are vets. There are a lot of young players who were just role players in different areas uh, throughout their uh, tenure in the NBA. So to come over now, you have crazy depth. We're looking at this Wizards team that still doesn't have their starting four in Rui Hachimura. You didn't have your starting five from last year in Thomas Bryant. Like they still are able to run off and, uh, you know, you know, get all these wins and be competitive. And also we look throughout the season, they've lost Brad for a couple games. Spencer Dinwiddie's not playing the second night of back-to-backs. It's all around impressive, but I have to uh, contribute it to West Unsell Jr. Like it's, it's easy to have talent, but when you bring in a different system of basketball, that's, you know, very different from the, typical ISO DHO pick and roll that you've seen from the past like five, six years when Scott Brooks was the head coach, it, it kind of gets guys to buy into their role because everybody feels like they're a part of something. And I think that's what a lot of these players that came over just wanted to be. You hear Kyle Kuzma just wanted to be a part of something. He felt like he was in the shadows in LA, especially back in 2017 when he was that guy. A lot of people, he was considered an untouchable in a lot of those trade talks. And now he's a part of something. Uh, they believe in uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, even coming off an ACL, something that a lot of teams didn't do. Montrezl Harrell didn't play any basketball, I felt like, last year. He's so fresh. It says it felt like he took a year off. Now he's getting meaningful minutes, and people forget that him and Lou Williams were literally the top scoring bench duo in NBA history like that's guys just want to be loved they just want to come out they want to get the basketball and feel like they're part of a uh, a winning formula and successful formula and that's what you see right now a lot of guys buying in and a lot of young old vets if you really want to look at it that way that's real would you say that with Dinwiddie and Bill they have probably one of the most underrated backcourts not in, not 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 just in the east but in the whole NBA would, would you agree with that I would agree with that, but it's also crazy. I feel like they're even more underrated because they haven't played a lot of basketball together. Like even, even to start the season, like when we saw Dimwitty hooping this past week when he was just going crazy, Brad wasn't even playing. He was out for personal reasons. And then to even start the season, you know, Brad was on, uh, he had an injury and then uh, Spence does the same thing. He had to miss it back to back. They still haven't played a lot of these games together and they're winning games. So I think it would be even more interesting to see how they develop a gel because first and foremost they're both scoring first guards we've seen brad you know be able to to facilitate but that's kind of out of necessity not because that's who he is as a basketball player by nature spencer dinwiddie people love the lobs the gafford and you know the the dimes but he's looking to score the ball every single time he comes on the floor he's had to train himself to be a more traditional point guard especially when you're playing alongside a guy like bradley bill so i think the the sky's the limit for this backcourt especially now when you look at Mr. Dinwiddie, this is the worst he's going to be because he's still returning from an injury. So he's only going to get better every single game in terms of his health. And that'll also come with more camaraderie and chemistry with Bradley Bill. So do you, all right, so here, hold on. Okay. Okay, so okay about, I was going to let you go anyway. You didn't have to wake me, but all right. I have a follow-up. So you talk about the offensive, the firepower. Yeah. Do you think that they have enough defense in order to make a, a, a long playoff run? I think they do. Uh, the only the glaring issue I have right now on defense for this team is down low. I mean, Montrez Hill is a nice, aggressive, physical big man, but at the end of the day, he's only six seven, but he does have a seven four wingspan. So you start getting to the postseason, you're playing the Giannis's of the world, the Joel Embiid's, all these traditional bigs that are going to present a mismatch. That's going to be rough, and especially you're looking at the starting center and Daniel Gafford. 
Gaff is a nice piece. He got a nice bag. He was on a non-guaranteed contract literally like four weeks ago. He got a nice bag to be the starting center, but he's still extremely light and he gets in foul trouble a lot. So I think it, there's a lot of opportunities to be had for opposing offenses in the painted and restricted area. But perimeter defense, I think, is pretty good. I mean, Bradley Bill's been playing better perimeter defense. Uh, Spence is a bigger guard. People don't realize that he's 6'6", 6'7". Uh, Kuzma, when he wants to play defense, can be an interesting matchup uh, when you're switching one through five. And also the system. Last year, they switched entirely too much. This year, they're more predicated on hard hedging and doing those things that don't allow you to get out of position. And now you have more guys to you know switch in there to be able to do that because last year you had a lot of young guys who were undersized and don't know how to play defense. This year, you got some guys who kind of understand the concepts a little better as well. All right, so here's where I'm at sustainability yeah is this the real deal or is it a hot start uh i think <laughs> i think it is sustainable uh because they're not i don't think west unso jr has these guys you know doing more than they're capable of i think you're getting a lot of easy buckets and their offense is not predicated off of like i need guys like davies Burton just going nuclear every single night and shooting you know 10 for 14 from downtown you're able to work inside you're able to get the easy buckets and put pressure on the defense especially and get to the free throw line I think it is sustainable. Now, when there's more film on a team with the first year head coach and we get around that all-star break and we come out of that all-star break, I think you start to, you might start to see some true colors and uh, because you have more film on what the team is good at, but I think it's sustainable because you still do have top in town, like Bradley Bill, who's a star and can't take over at any point in time. Um, I'm so excited. DC needs this like yeah. the the culture in terms of the basketball fabric like they deserve this and so I'm I'm in and hopefully um hoping that this team is sustainable now last week Quentin um our friend Ava Wallace who does a terrific job covering the Wizards, had mm -hmm. a terrific piece on Montrez Harrell after Bradley Bill lost his grandmother and mm -hmm. I just it had been a minute I think since I had heard a story like that in terms of the team bond come out yeah. of the Wizards camp I mean obviously John did tremendous things in the community as has Brad yeah but the it feels like the level of camaraderie, and I don't know if it's maturity. I didn't particularly buy into John and Brad having an issue. I just thought they didn't necessarily work well together. Right. And that happens sometimes. Um, so when you look at this team, not the basketball stuff, what have you been able to see? That, that's a great point. That piece from Ava was excellent. Uh, I think one thing that these guys do share is that they want to be here. Like you even see Contavious Caldwell Pope when he came in. A lot of people think he's an interesting piece, but he was brought into D.C. to play beside his best friend with with Bradley Bill. So like there's a connection already right there. You get Montrez Harrell coming into town. Montrez Harrell literally just wants to play basketball and anybody that lets him get playing time, he's going to love them. And he gets that here and uh, they let him be himself. And I think that also takes a lot of pressure off of a guy like Brad to be the leader because he's the best player because I don't think Brad as a leader is like that alpha dog mentality in leadership. He's more of so, more so I'm going to show you better than I can tell you. And if you can't match this energy, then, hey, bro, you might have to go ahead and sit on the bench. Trez knows what it, it's like to be an underdog. He literally has a brand called underdog. Like that's what he that's what he does. But he loves to chirp. He can come in and be the vocal leader and they let him have that space. So everybody does have a defined role. And I think when all those things come together and you know what you're expected, what's expected of you and what you can contribute and everybody buys into their role and other people's role. It, it makes it makes everybody happier. Everybody loves to be loved. And even I mean, it's funny because uh, when Spencer Dinwiddie came to D.C., he literally said, I just want to be loved like that. That's it. And, and it, it's funny to say that. And it sounds kind of cliche, but 
players have feelings too. Like they're not just hoopers. Like if, if you, you can go out there and drop 20 and then still be on the back burner. Like it kind of feels like people forgot about what Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen and Joe Harris did before the, the big three came to Brooklyn. Like they just, moving to the side for the brand new toy. And like, he's just sitting here like, bro, please. I, I, I've done a lot for Brooklyn as well. Before it was all this fancy Barclays. I was here. I was here. So I think that's kind of uh, the identity that a lot of these teams have brought to the team is that I love being here. I love my role. And let's, let's get some W's together. That's such a good point. And for the record, that Spencer did with Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell, like that whole Rush. Brooklyn before yeah. Brooklyn, that team was, and Kenny Atkinson. I know he got caught up in the coaching, whatever. He's landed since, but like yeah. they did have a good thing going before. Jared Dudley was there too. Yep, he was sure talking was. trash in the playoffs. They still got beat. <laughs> they got the uh, butts uh, beat up by the Sixers that series, but he was talking trash. Mm, I remember sometimes. that. That was fun. Mm-hmm. All right, King, you ready to go around the NBA or what you got? I got one more question. Just yeah. one, one more, okay? So you talk about players having feelings, right? And one yeah. player whose feelings who I think have uh, have been hurt a lot the past few years is Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Based off what you've seen <laughs> this season, what is Kyle Kuzma's upside? Is he legit? Is he a pretender? Is he what everybody thought he was? What is Kyle Kuzma? <sighs> I think that's the Kyle Kuzma experience. Like everything you just named, like uh, we don't we don't really know. And I think Kyle Kuzma right now he's on a revenge tour. Like you saw when he was cooking in Cleveland, and the fans said he's nothing without LeBron, and he was like, "Well, you guys are literally nothing without LeBron. If LeBron wasn't born here, you guys would have nothing." So you're lucky he wants to come back home and win some championships. But he is on a revenge tour. But what I see from Kyle Kuzma is a guy with a lot of high upside, but he wants to be the star. I think the key to him is being a star in your role. It's not necessarily being a star. It's being a star in the position that you're given, but he has the tools and the ability to, to be whatever he wants to be. He's six foot 10. Like you, people don't understand. Like you see pictures of him beside Anthony Davis, Giannis, LeBron, like he's looking at him eye to eye, or sometimes he's looking down at him. He has the tools, but it's all, it's really all mental with Kyle Kuzma. One thing I want to see from him though, is, not to, I want to see him play his best games against maybe lesser competition. It's kind of like a narrative-based effort sometimes with, with Kuzma. Like I was watching a film before this and I see that Kuz doesn't really play a lot of defense, but when LaMelo Ball comes up the floor and the buzz in the arena starts going a little bit, then he's like, okay, let me lock in and, and, and play some defense. He had a stop against LaMelo in the first quarter last night and he starts, uh, dudes were chirping at him who were uh, sitting courtside. And he gets a stop and then starts chirping back. Like, that's kind of how he goes. But when he's guarding McDaniels or when he's guarding, you know, Plumley, he doesn't bring that same energy. So I think he he really has to get going with the fact that people think he's not good or a superstar is going against him. And if he could be just consistent, middle of the road, highs or lows, big game into, on TNT or 7 o'clock on the local NBC Sports Washington, that'll take his game to the next level. That's real. That's definitely real. Sure. Let's take it to the West, right? And on the East, it's the Wizards. Yeah. They're kind of blowing everybody's mind. On the West, it is the Warriors. Let's compare the two. Right, right, what, what, what do you see? What's oh, this is a, we're comparing the Warriors and the Wizards to see, it's in the season right now. Let's, <laughs> hey, I, I don't have to do anything else. We're comparing the Warriors and the Wizards. I love it. Mission accomplished. Retweet that sentiment as a DC girl. <laughs> I totally agree. Yes, this is exactly where we want to be. So what, 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 what similarities do you see um, do you think the Warriors are pretenders? You think they're legit? Like, what, what, what do you see in the differences between the two teams? Uh, I think the biggest uh, comparison would be you got players on revenge tours. Only thing is the player that's on a revenge tour right now in Golden State is probably the best, no, not probably, the best shooter in the history of the NBA and Steph Curry. And I think, you know, people, 
kind of uh, were down on Steve Kerr as a coach, especially when he didn't have his full plethora of weapons last year and even a little bit before that. People were taking shots at him because that team wasn't so successful, but it's hard to have a team, um, you know, be consistent when you got a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. Now, this year, you got a full offseason of some young guys like Jordan Poole. You're bringing some guys like Kaminga. You got some guys that can come in and know, already know the system and can play beside a player who was now fully healthy. Steph still wasn't even fully healthy when he came back last year. Yeah. And Draymond's still going to bring that intensity and that presence. Steph is really out here to kill. Like you saw what he did in Barclays. Like he he's just flat out disrespectful. When he shot, when I'm always impressed when he looks away after like halfway through the uh, the jumper. But the the jumper he had last or a couple nights ago when he's pointing at the dude in the first row, like that, that's just that's that I don't even want to watch basketball anymore. That's just that's not fair. That's mm-hmm. disrespectful. If mm-hmm. if I'm a fan and you pointed me and your shot is still in the air, I might have to get thrown out the game, man. Cause like you just can't you can't just flex on me like that. But that team, they're they're on a mission, and I can't wait to see when uh Clay Thompson comes back. Like I if I was him, if I was the Warriors, I'd push his return back to maybe after All-Star break because get as healthy as you can because when it gets to the postseason, that's when we really need him. I don't know. I you know it's you said something Quentin that has really been sh- striking me. Is that the verb agreement that I, I need? Think so. I've been struck with this the past two weeks is this idea of yes, it's our job to commentate, analyze, watch film the whole bit. But do not be confused about how hard it is to do what successful winning teams, winning players do at a high level and consistency and and consistently in particular. And so I've kind of been taken aback around this reinvigorated conversation around stuff. I'm like, where were y'all? Y'all missed the point where he almost got them into the playoffs single handedly last year. Like, did we forget about that all of a sudden? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I was one of them. I'm not going to lie. And it is, it is, it's funny because I always respected him, but I, I, I come coming into the season. I do the show, but MGM tonight. And we literally look at the odds for NBA finals and all that stuff. And I was confused because coming into the season, the Warriors still have like the third or fourth best odds to win the championship. And I'm like, are they about to trade for Dame Ben Sim? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I know Steph is great, but the rest of that team is not good. And then, uh, you know, the season started the way it did. And now we're here and now I feel like an idiot, but Steph was, he's on one. And I forgot that he can really just take over a game single-handedly, not just scoring, but facilitating as well. And I think uh, having been very close to the Knicks this season, one of the things that I envy about the Warriors in particular is their system has so much movement. And granted, a lot of that is built around Steph, but even when you talk about guys who they have built up through their system, I mean, we all had plenty of jokes. Damian Lee's only there because, you know, he married to Curry's sister, like whatever. (laughs) But either way, you look at a guy like Poole, Damian Lee, I mean, even Wiggins now, they've really figured out how to put them in positions to be successful. And when I think about the league in terms of teams that have a signature, that you know what they're going to do and you still are in puzzle land trying to figure out how to slow it down. I don't know that there's a squad that does it better than the Warriors. I mean, maybe Denver, because you just like, you know what the Joker's going to do, but you got to figure out how to stop that too. Um, But I just think in this age of basketball, and as we get through the dog days that we hit Christmas, you know what I'm saying? After all-star, all of that, it's just a thing of beauty. I just love it. It's just something to be said for a team that can hide their star player that shoots that well. Like, I, I understand, like, Joker, but still, he's he's pretty much going to hang around the free throw line extended. He'll bring the ball up the floor, but he's a big – when you have a guy who can literally shoot it without looking, shoot it from wherever on the floor, and he's running through a maze of guys, and, and like, how are you that active 
that fast. And then once you get the ball after running like 15 seconds out the shot clock, you still have the energy to shoot it off your back foot just and not even look when it's going through the hoop. Like, that's just sick. Like, that's next level. Now, that's why you got a lot of these kids now. We go down to, you know, District Sports Center. We go down to the street and dudes are just shooting from half court and missing because Steph Curry has ruined the integrity of the jump shot. <laughs> Bro, I had uh, one of my homeboys tell me at Baylor. Yeah, he uh, went to the work workout with a warrior with the Warriors, and Steph yeah. was uh I don't know why in the world Steph was working out right. But Steph joined the workout, and he said it was something like he's never seen before. Just his ability not to be because you, you're scared. He gets the ball right, and all of a sudden, like he's trying to break you down, yeah. and he's gonna pull up in your face. But then when he gets off the ball, he becomes more dangerous because now you just got to lock and trail. You just got to chase throughout the whole, like like he said, a maze of people, you running around, and if he gets any bit of space, it, it's it, it's good. So, like, what are you doing? You're playing doing? tag. Like that, right? you're, you're playing tag with the dude. Not tag. It's sick. It's sick. <laughs> and even if, when you, it's, it's even more demoralizing. When you, when you stay close to Steph, and he gets the ball with, like, two seconds on the shot clock, and it's a turnaround fade, and he's up. You're looking at the ball, and he's already ran running back on defense because he knows. Like you just gotta, as a defender, I'd be like, you know what, coach, just sub me out, dog. Like what? What you want me to do? I can't was, stop that. It's so funny because there was a play against Brooklyn where Blake Griffin had to switch on him. I mean, this probably happened a bunch of times, but I remember yeah. one particular play, and Blake is textbook like deny man, you ball like following Steph, following Steph, and then you could just see where he just is gassed. Steph makes one more cut, and it was a layup. It was like, yep. dang, like what do you do with that? He utilizes every single second of that shot clock, and that. That's why he's one of the greatest ever, because I don't know. We look at players that work hard, like Russell Westbrook and your, of course, like Michael Jordan, like they, their work ethic. But I think because Steph is small and probably because he light skin and skinny that people, people are like, you know, he don't work that hard. But it takes a lot of work to have the stamina, the ability and also the maneuvering through traffic and still be able to keep your body intact. Like he had injury history to start to start his career. And for him to be at this point in his career, still playing at this high level and running through a maze of kids like freeze tag on a Friday. I mean, that's just, that's just different. That's next level. Freeze tag on a Friday. <laughs> this man said probably cause he light skin. I'm done. All right. So check this out though, Quentin, as we're going to open this conversation up around the league a little bit, I am perusing through the wizard schedule so far. I mean, they've beaten some solid teams. You caught that L. Um, to the Nets, the Raptors. Um, But I think it's safe to say with the Heat waiting on Thursday night and Saturday in a back-to-back, followed by the Hornets who are hot, the schedule's going to pick up a little bit, although y'all got some cupcakes in there. Um, But as when you start to think ahead to some of the better teams in the league, what are you most excited about from this Wizards squad? Um, I'm excited about the team picking up these wins now. Like I, I, that's, that's my honest assessment. A lot of people have asked, like, like you said, is this sustainable? You really haven't played anybody, but I saw a good point on Twitter the other day. They were like, what do you want the Wizards to show struggle and lose these games just to prove that when they play some teams like that are real, that they, they can win. Like these are important to win these games when you, when it counts, because then you don't have to play keep up and catch up, you know, down the stretch when you're trying to get in the postseason. That's what we've seen in DC for the past X amount of years is a team. You get up for a Lakers game and LeBron's in town. You get up for the Cleveland game when LeBron's in town back in the John Warner era. And then you have a regular, you know, game against the Spurs where nobody's playing. And then you just go out there and lay an egg. You got to pick up these wins and learn how to win in different ways shapes and forms and I think that's what they've done so far and it shows resilience but I am looking at that schedule like tomorrow's going to be a hard game against the Miami Heat because Jimmy Butler is back but also I think the Heat got beaten up on last night and I look at the Wizards they don't have Spencer Dinwiddie that's the second I have a back-to-back so that's another test 
after a letdown against the Hornets, can you go out this tonight, play against the Heat, no star point guard, or the Heat won last night. Okay, they were down big in that game. They came back. I do remember that. But um, the uh, you don't have Spencer Dinwood. You have to play against the Miami Heat. And uh, then you see him again on Saturday. This is a Heat team that's a true contender. They're going to show you some different looks. The Hornets, I, I truly believe, like, the Hornets are exciting. But the Wizards are better than the Hornets. I, I feel like some people might look at that as a hot take. But what I saw through three quarters last night against that team, it, it's, it's a different level. But the only thing is, Washington didn't know how to counter a 1-1-3 zone, which is not really a, a, a terrible thing to not be able to do because nobody's playing a 1-1-3 matchup zone anymore. I, I also just want to point out as a basketball person, yeah. I love all of these like middle school zones popping up in the NBA. Oh because the God. other day, the Warriors threw a, a box in one and a triangle in two at it's, the Nets. And I was like, oh, yay! It's crazy. <laughs> and, and, that's why, and that's why players, like, that's why you see a team like, Really? What? What is? Right. What are we going up again? Like, what? I haven't. I literally haven't seen this since middle school. It's funny. Brad said this a couple years ago. He got a box and one. This is the Brad team where it's just like, you know, nobody there more so than now, which was like last year. And he was like, I haven't seen a box and one since I was playing AAU basketball, and and that was for like a quarter of basketball. So it is funny to see what they're doing. JB and the Hornets, they have a really solid defense when they switch to that zone. But other than that, you got to be able to beat the zone, and I think they'll be good for that coming the second time around. The Hornets too are like big. I, I like the Hornets a lot. You know lot. what I'm saying? Like Lamelo's yeah. coming in, at, coming at you six six at your guard spot, and Bridges is rocking rims left and right. So that I like what the Hornets got going on. All right, but this is a perfect segue because I want to go to the East. King and I brought our pod back after a little um, hiatus. You know, everybody mm-hmm. got to take a vacation, health, health and wellness, balance sure. and wellness. Um, and we were actually this on the pod was the first time that I was like, "Yo, the East is about to be nuts." Yeah. Um, I think, and I, I think there's still a debate around who the top three actually will be. Mm-hmm. Like it's feeling like you got to go heat over Brooklyn right now. And I'm not hundred percent sure you could put Philly there and Milwaukee technically while they're not healthy right now, they're not near the top of the standings. Yeah. You got Chicago, you got um, the wizards, Atlanta's starting to get healthy. There's just so much going on. So when you look at the East Quentin, yeah. when we get down to God, the plane is going to mean so much this year. Like, it I just is. feel like the plane is going to be huge. Yeah. Um, Wizards are a playoff team. Like, who you got in sort of that four to eight window? I mean, we, you can give us your whole standings, what you expect, actually. So I do expect the Bucks to turn it around. I mean, we kind of expected this Bucks team after not only the fact that they won the championship, they played the long side of any team last year or one other team last year. And then you have Drew Holiday gets on a direct flight overseas to go play in the Olympics. Then he comes back. And Middleton. And Middleton as well. You come back and those guys are tired and they're injured. And they also don't have Brooke Lopez. Dante DiVincenzo was out. The the Michael Jordan of Delaware. Like you're missing a lot of guys that, you know, are are key to this team's success. So I kind of expected a slow start. I don't, they'll they'll be a one, two, three seed, you know, before it's all said and done. Because Giannis, especially last night, he's a monster. The Nets are a question mark to me. Not that they won't make the playoffs or anything, but. They need defense and they need a point guard. And is Kyrie gonna get the shot or not? Like that, that's the million dollar question. Cause that team was sorry, Kyrie... welcome to my podcast where we don't talk about Kyrie because he's just not coming. So let's move on. I don't think he's coming back. I think he's posting the Matrix gifts. So I'm like, what does this even mean, man? We I just love basketball, so I want to see him play. Um, I do think it'll be interesting. The Cavs, they're a surprise. I think they fall down to the play-in spot. I really do. Uh the Celtics. I don't think the Celtics are a good basketball team. I, I don't think they have the pieces. I, I love Jason Tatum. I love Jalen Brown, but 
I don't like Marcus Smart being my my point guard. I, they have five centers that don't really play defense. Not and five they, centers. Jesus, help them. No, they, they, they literally have five centers, including like uh, Fernando uh, something. I can't remember his name. Uh, some Bruno Fernando, there he is. He's, he's a center on that team too. So they're confusing, but I think the Wizards are a playoff team. The Nets, yes. I think the Bulls definitely are. The Heat, absolutely. I think the Hornets, middle of the pack and that that you know four through eight yes the Knicks definitely I think they're good Tibbs is always going to be a competitive team Celtics I think they slide out I think the Raptors are a playing team I think the Bucks take a jump up I think the Hawks might be in that playing conversation too I'm not really, really I'm not impressed with that Hawks team okay. I think it's too much it's too much offense just through Trey Young I think they don't they don't do what we see with Steph and that offense is high Trey Young and he, it's literally he brings the ball to the floor He's the responsible for pick and roll. John Collins is literally not John Collins without Trey Young, right? And he's making a bag to be a star, and he's just not that. You got a lot of guys around the fringe that are just watching basketball. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think some of these teams that you're used to seeing at the top, like the Celtics, um, the Hawks, and I guess the Raptors, I think they're going to slide. What you got on Philly? You ain't say Philly. Also, King, did um, Quentin just give us more than eight teams in the playoffs? I'm not sure. I wasn't counting. For sure. For sure I did. And that's how I keep my job. Because when they pulled his head, Quentin, you sit back. No, I said everybody's going to make the playoffs. Okay, so let's be completely honest. Uh, I don't know about the Sixers either because I know they're off to a pretty good start. But I... If Giannis, I don't, I'm not Giannis. I don't know if Joel Embiid can stay healthy for an entire season and have the workload on him that he probably is going to have to man without Ben Simmons. They need something. Like at this point, Maury, just, bro, just trade him for a bag of chips. Like if, like if you're, a champ- on, yeah. if you're a championship contending team, no real team with championship aspirations is letting this black cloud just hang over your franchise. Like even if you just wipe your hands clean of them, I think your fan base and your teammates will respect that more so than let's, and let's stick it to Ben Simmons to make him feel it. Like, just trade him so we can focus on basketball. Yeah. Yeah. A team I don't think you mentioned, the Bulls? Oh, I did. I said the Bulls definitely in there. Definitely in there. Okay. I like the Bulls a lot. Yeah. Like, I think uh, I remember. And we have a, a little friendly wager going on the on the Wizards. <laughs> What's our friendly? Yeah, we did, but I forgot what it was. Oh, never mind. You ain't forget that I'm good on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You about to change the, the parameters. It's fine. <laughs> Nah, um, I, I, I'm a man of my word. So what I said was the Bulls, I mean, the, the Wizards are not going to make the playoffs. If they I make, said they were. I got to take you. Then you said they were. And if they don't, then you got to take me to playoffs. Then, okay. It was just a dinner bet. All right, bet. Got it. Copy. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Big picture again, Quentin, for you, East versus West. I feel like for so long, uh, the West is just trounces the East. But this year, I mean, I think both sides are going to be competitive, but I'm really captivated by what happens in the east i think the west probably will be truer to script as someone who does not buy the lakers like they'll yeah. be a playoff team but i just don't like i just don't think that this group of guys it's not that they're not good it's that we're probably about four or five years past their primes and i just don't think the rest of the teams in the west are waiting at all yeah, yeah. I, I agree i look at that west and the only thing about the lakers is I just can't doubt LeBron until he shows me otherwise. Like, I don't care if I'm, if all three of us are out there playing beside LeBron James, like at some point he just flips this switch to where he can just carry a team. Now this is going to be a true test because this team right now is not really built to win. And if last night or a couple of nights ago, I saw a lineup with Rondo, Bazemore, and, and, and Car- like, I'm like, bro, this is not even basketball. Like, and Russell Westbrook on the fly, like what is Frank Vogel doing? But that the West is weaker this year. You think about the stars first and foremost that are out. We're not going to see Kawhi Leonard probably at all this year. Probably no Jamal Murray. You know, it's just a lot of those guys that typically run the Western Conference. 
they're they're gone right now. So I think I think the East has the advantage, especially because they're the healthier conference. And a lot of these teams, like the talent is distributed throughout the Eastern Conference, way more than it is in the West in terms of healthy bodies. I would like to just continue to petition for the Utah Jazz to finally get over the hump because I'd love to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I guess. I guess. I like the Utah Jazz, but they're they're they can never stay healthy all at the same time either. Like Conley was cooking last year. Finally, him and Gobert had some chemistry. And then uh, Spider goes down in, in the postseason. Like, he can't stay healthy. So, it, yeah. it's weird. It's a weird I, I really want to see defense be rewarded in a real way. And yeah. that's what that would represent for, for me. Sure. Um, all right, Quinn, we got to get ready to let you out of here. King, you got any more? Before we hit our buckets, boards, and blocks? Nah, I'm, I'm good. You answered all my questions. Perfect. All right. That's the goal. Um, okay, wait, King. Should we should we make this a Wizards-specific topic? Or where? what should be the umbrella for the bucket, board, and block? Let's do uh let's do the East Coast. I mean, East, East Conference, East Eastern Conference. Conference. All right, um, Quentin, your umbrella, your your bucket to choose from is all things Eastern Conference. Okay. You have a choice. You can give us one of these, or you can give us all three of these. They are the name of the podcast, buckets, boards, and blocks. The bucket is the thing that you love. Give me more of this. All the buckets, please. The board hmm. maybe didn't look so great initially, but has some redeeming qualities, silver lining, like a good rebound. The block. We don't want no more of this. Dikembe Mutombo finger wag. Get that thing out of here. And your choices for those things all come from the Eastern Conference. You can do one or three. You know what? Give me a block on the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown tandem. Mm. I think that's I think that's expired. I think it's over. Um, I think you got two stars that are elite scores that can't coexist right now. And I don't know what point guard that you could bring in that brings the best out of both of them. And that that's, that's kind of sad to me, but I don't know if that Celtics team, you know, construct, like they have to flip. I think JB, I'm pretty sure he would be the guy who goes because Tatum is just Jason Tatum, but I think you get a lot for Jalen Brown and maybe start that thing over in Boston. But I think I might block that tandem uh, right now. It's kind of sad because I, I really do like them. Our producer Bruce somewhere is grabbing tissue because that's his team. All right, man, your newsletter. Uh, where can the folks find you, read you, support you? I'm a subscriber. Whoop, whoop. Thank you. You can find me. It's, it's on Substack. It's M-A-Y-O-H dot Substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K dot com. I also do a Wizards uh, analysis video after every single Wizards game. So literally at 1045 a.m which we're recording at 10, I'm going to be breaking down how the Wizards failed to, uh, you know, defeat the 1-1-3 defense of the Hornets last night. And uh, also I host BetMGM tonight, which is a live sports gambling show every single night, 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern time. We watch sports for four hours and we win money off of it. And we tell you how to win money off of it. So that's literally where you can find me at all. I'm always somewhere at some at some point in time. You, it's, I'm never hard to find. My girlfriend um, loves that, by the way. She she can this, always I, find me. Relatable. Okay, <laughs> relatable. I don't need a tracker. He has jobs that put him on the main <laughs> everywhere I can see him. Also, we didn't even touch the betting thing. Um, Obviously, gambling and stuff is here to stay. Is that fun? Have you lost a bunch of money? Like, are you enjoying it? Are you actually, you know, putting your money where your mouth is? Because I talked plenty of betting for six months-ish for on a show, and I never actually put any money on it. No, it's funny because that's how my my career started out. I'm just I'm just going to talk about it, make fake bets. But once you start, like, filling yourself a little bit and giving out all this advice and trends, you're like, oh, I might have to put a little something, something down. Now, I don't do the whole $100, $200 bets. I am more frugal. 
That frugal is the word. I don't think that's even a word. I like no, to keep frugal my money. is absolutely a word. Frugal yes. is the word. Okay. Yes. I like to keep my money to the chest. So I might look at like three or four bets. 20 bucks. If I'm betting 20 bucks on something, I'm feeling really good about it. But it it's pretty much uh it, it takes your your watching and your viewing experience to a different level because there's so many different ways to watch a game when you do have money on it. Like last night, my biggest, my favorite bet was Daniel Gafford over eight and a half points. And I saw that he's going up against a, a Hornets team that they have the worst paint defense in the NBA. Plumlee is small. That team is also just extremely small. And they, they just don't defend the, uh, the the paint well. And I look at Daniel Gafford, that's an easy matchup. He literally finished the first quarter with, what, 10, 12 points. Like, it was easy money. So it, it helps me study the game even more, especially when you're telling people where to put their money, because you don't want to be wrong. I haven't lost a lot of money because I haven't bet a lot of money. But I have been right more than I have been wrong, and that's the name of the game. That is the name of the game. Um, I also said that Charlotte was sneaky big, and now I need to go back and double check that because I felt like they were big when they beat the Knicks, but maybe they're actually not that big. And to add to that thought, though, Quentin, um, does it, I'm going to let you go, I promise, after this. But does it, like, as an actual hoop head, is it stressful? Like, are you watching your bets more than you're watching the game? Or, like, where's the alignment there? I try to I try to keep it 50-50. But it definitely, when you have money on something, I think my eyes start to wander to why KCP is open in the corner and nobody's passing the ball. And I just need two or three pointers from him because <laughs> I got $20 on that. Like, it, it does start to get that way. It's a very stressful process, but it's fun. It definitely, and also, like, I like, with our show, we're not just betting basketball. We're betting football, hockey, soccer. Like, we had the CONCACAF the other day between uh, USA and Mexico. That was a huge deal. Like, it, it takes your, your fandom to a different level because now you're expanding your horizon and looking at even more sports, even, like, baseball and stuff like that. So it has helped me become a more well-rounded, and not just fan, but journalist as well because I feel like now I have more of an understanding of more sports, and it's always good to be versatile. Oh, shout-out to you, Quentin Mayo, the young That's prodigy. Right. When's That's your birthday? Right. May 3rd. Okay, you're not even, is that six months out-ish, sort of, kind of? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You got some time before you hit the big two five. When y'all get to 30, let me know, because your 20s are ghetto. Y'all just don't know it yet. But anyway. They feel uh, ghetto. No, for real. They <laughs> Quentin Mayo, ladies and gen- gentlemen. Mayo, thank you for responding to my tweet. Um, I shot my shot across Twitter, and we're glad to have you. For sure. Thanks for having me. And I'll do this anytime you need me. That. Appreciate you, man. For sure. Well, that means you're coming back then. That's what that <laughs> <means>. <laughs> Recurring guests. I'm fine with that. That was dope. Man, that was excellent. Known that guy via Twitter for a while. Does great work. Great to have him virtually in person. That's what we're going to call it. So big thanks to Quentin Mayo for dropping some knowledge when it comes to the Washington Wizards this week. Shout out to the home team. We love to see it. They are killing it. If we can get Wizards Knicks Eastern Conference Finals, your girl would not be mad. I do know that that's hopeful, King. Don't roll your eyes. Anyway, as always, thanks to our producer, Bruce Bernstein, for all that he does to keep us on track. Our new editor, Drew Rich. Please check out our other Pure Hoops Media shows. The Mike Wise Show is coming to you from Mexico City. And he talks Golden State Warriors this week with Matt Steinmetz from 95.7, the game in the Bay Area. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong features an inside look at the Phoenix Suns with reporter Dwayne Rankin. This week, Aaron Berlin has the week off, but our guy Bruce Bernstein co-hosts the show with Otto and Dwayne's analyst of Chris Paul's leadership skills is really, really insightful. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman are on schedule to return next week with the Pure Hoops podcast. And King and myself will be back with a brand new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media very soon.
All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. No need to lecture anymore, people. Get the shot. Go with the booster shot. End of story. So, until we meet again, Monica, Trey Young to John Collins. Oop, he lobs it up. Enjoy your hoops. Hey. Okay, timing, we did that. <laughs> Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.